Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, while partaking in some questionable activities with a co-worker, a mysterious noise keeps interrupting. But is it the fear of being caught by the living or the dead that has the two of them on edge? During a visit to an estate sale, one woman has an inexplicable gravitation towards the back of the property. What happened there that sends chills down her spine as it all begins to make sense? A visit to welcome new neighbors at their newly built cabin leaves two girls running for their lives. And after a sudden loss of a classmate, one student is visited by his ghost and is given three predictions for her future. How accurate have these predictions been? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. How you doing? I am doing keen. Keen. And you? I'm great. Not quite peachy keen, but keen. What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. It's just I reserve peachy for like really good days. Like Disneyland days? Yeah. Like oh, okay. keen's a good day. Okay. No, but but peachy is the, the days that, you, you know, you get to go into the giant golf ball at like Epcot Center. Okay. I haven't had one of those days since about eighth grade. And I was fifth fifth grade. Fifth grade, yeah. That was yeah. the last time I was there. Yeah. So been a little while. <laughs> been a little while. Uh is that Spaceship Earth? Is that what it's called? Yeah, okay. Spaceship Earth, I and that's just, at Disney World. Yeah, oh, that's all I've never been to. Yeah. Never been to Disneyland. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, those that would be a, a peachy keen day. Uh you? I'm doing great. Good. I'm excited for these stories. You came in here tonight uh, excited about these. Yeah, like, you know, every once in a while we have a night where we just, each one is a gem. Sure. I mean, all the stories have been pretty good, but it, sometimes you just get that where it's like, damn, those were all... Yeah. So so now not to set you up for failure or anything, I but uh, here we go. Let's get into uh, some of the stories uh, here this evening. Uh, the first one comes into us from Anonymous. Uh, Hi, I hope this email finds you well. I've written in before, but uh, for this encounter, I didn't want to give my name as it's uh, one of my naughtier stories. I worked in an office building that existed since the 20s. It held several other businesses, mainly lawyers and bill collecting services. Our city has a rather dark history, particularly with prohibition, and the building I worked in had a basement that was a hidden speakeasy at one point. Anyway, I'd often stay late in my office with this girl I had just started dating. We didn't have a place to go, as I was still looking for an apartment, and she was still living with her grandmother, so my office was the hangout spot for us all, till hours of the night. 
We would be there until sunrise. Well, let's just say we did more than hang out, and let's keep it at that. Next door to my office in the same building was another office that was being renovated. They were gutting the place, and most of the walls were still down. One particular night, around 2 a.m., we heard something shifting around in the office next door. It sounded like someone was dragging something heavy through the door of the empty space and down the hall. We quickly stopped what we were doing, got dressed, ran to look across the hall, fearing we'd been busted, but no one was there. We searched the entire floor, and there was nothing. Since we were on the top floor, there were no other exits other than the elevator and the fire escape stairs, both which made a lot of noise when accessed. Thinking nothing of it, we went back to our sinful ways. The sounds almost seemed to repeat every other night at 2 a.m., sometimes much louder. One night we left the building after it sounded like someone being pushed into the wall next door that divided our office from the empty one. We froze, started packing our things up, darted out the door, but before we got to the elevator, we heard the elevator ding open, and it remained open all night. We used the stairs that night for the first time. Five flights of stairs is a lot to run down. The next day, there was an out-of-order sign on it. We eventually got an apartment and steered clear of the building at night. During the day, the elevator would go up and down on its own and sometimes carry people to the basement and keep them there. Lights in our office would come on by themselves and I'd often get yelled at for leaving the lights on. Our fax machine would also start up and print blank pages in the middle of the night. Best, love the show. Keep up the good work. You two deserve a TV show. I don't know about a TV show, but I would bet if you rode that elevator down to the basement and those doors opened, there'd be a speakeasy there. Kind of like the Gettysburg phenomenon. Uh, like the thing on Unsolved Mysteries? Yep. Where they opened up the doors and, the, oh, look what's going on here. I bet all activity in the building after hours would cease after that. After someone has encountered it? No, what I mean is the questionable activity they were partaking in. Oh, their activity. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I would find a new spot pretty quick. I would be kind of freaking out after the first couple of times weird things were happening. I'd be like, uh... It's just not fun anymore. Yeah, that would just be rather disturbing. Um, I got a thing about elevators that just creep me. I've always been kind of creeped out by elevators. Really? I don't know... I don't know. I, uh... I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it goes back to the library elevator that would, like, open and no one would be in it when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember playing, like, on the, uh, the, the second floor of the library in my hometown, and my mom would just be looking at books, and I'd just be, you know, sitting around there near the elevator. And, uh, then, ding, it opens, nobody's on it. It would happen all the time. <laughs> And it was kind of weird. I mean, I didn't really over-evaluate it too much. That memory just recently, honestly, came back to me, like, within the last year. Yeah. And I was thinking about that library. I'm like, oh, I did forget about that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I've never had an experience on one, but there's just something about them. I did live in an apartment uh, in, in Wausau that uh, the elevator just didn't work very well. It was an old Otis elevator, probably from like the 20s, probably like an original part of the building. Uh-huh. And it's been a, it's a fairly renovated building, but the elevator never fixed. Still the old, old elevator. And I would be in it, and you'd press the button to go to the next floor, 
And sometimes it would take you there, sometimes it wouldn't, sometimes it would get stuck between the two floors. Um, and it's kind of off in an area of the building where no one travels to. <laughs> oh, no. So it's one of those things where you would only take it like if you had to haul a couch or something, and it was uh-huh. like your only option. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, you really needed someone to be with you or waiting for you on either end because you could easily get... There's no phone. There was no modern amenity of, like, alarm on this thing. It's probably out of code, too. I mean, I think you need those things. Um, but uh, it would get stuck, and it literally went from one to two floors. And it would take... When it was working... <laughs> When it was actually functioning, a good 45 seconds to get from one floor to the next. Why would you even bother with it? <laughs> well, like I said, it's if you had like a couch or oh, a large okay. piece of furniture, but other than that. I was going to say, get some cardio and yeah, do the stairs. It's kind of creepy. Kitty Corner to that building, it had one of those, it was a taller building, an old hotel that was an apartment, and it had one of those gate elevators. Oh, yeah. Um, and really still ornate. I mean, it looked like the Titanic type, you know, uh-huh. elevator. And uh, that was neat just to look at. Still functioning as well. Not for me. Yeah, I took some. I have some pictures of that one, and uh, it's just a creepy old building. <laughs> uh, anywho, phone number is eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. That's the uh, phone number to call in your real ghost stories to real ghost stories online. Of course, you can also write it on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. D writes in, "Hey Tony and Jenny, don't have an update about my mother's house since my sisters and I uh, rarely go there now. We've all since moved out now that my youngest sister recently graduated from high school." If you remember, my story was the one where my two sisters and I prayed for protection over our house and had the entity attack each of us in different ways. I'm writing in today with a different story that happened recently. Don't know if it's possible to develop a sensitivity to supernatural or if it comes more prominent at times or how that works. But it seems like events have become more prevalent in my daily life than ever before. I spend a lot of time with my grandparents, and in result, I spend a lot of time going uh, with them to antique shops and estate sales. Recently, we went to an estate house, and as soon as we pulled into the driveway, my entire demeanor changed. If you know me, I'm a predominantly happy person, so it's incredibly unusual for me to change moods on a dime. An immense sadness came over me, and I felt this wave of grief that came from nowhere or seemed to have no source. The drive was long, and the closer to the house, the more intense it seemed. It was so strange. It's like having a bucket of ice water dumped over me. I didn't mention it to my grandies, but instead, when we got out of the car, I went to walk around by myself rather than staying with them. I heard piano music as I went in the door, though there was no one sitting at the piano, so I thought it may have been a recording somewhere. Each room that I walked into sent a new wave of emotion. People were all around looking to buy things, and I just felt so incredibly off that I walked outside towards the back of the property. I was drawn towards the wood line about a quarter of a mile behind the house, and I didn't know why. The feeling was much worse here than anywhere else on the property. It was incredibly unnerving. I didn't know if maybe I was getting sick or something because it was so incredibly intense. It was a sunny day, but the woods were very dark, it seemed, much darker than the surrounding, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it. After it seemed like a long while, I felt someone on my shoulder and turned to see my grandmother, who said that we were leaving. 
It was like being broken out of a trance. The feeling was still there, but it wasn't as incapacitating. We walked to the truck as soon as the tires hit the road. The feeling lifted. That instant. It was the most bizarre thing I couldn't understand. What my grandies then told me scared me beyond belief and made total sense about what was going through me. The family that had lived there had a terrible tragedy. The parents had recently separated and the mom, wherever she was, had gotten drunk one night and drowned in a hot tub. Her parents came from Hawaii to help the kids and dad go through everything and prepare for the funeral. When the grandparents got there and were tending to the children, the father then took a gun back past that wood line and shot himself. Both of the children lost their parents in a matter of days. I started shaking as the realization hit me. I then mentioned the sad piano music and why they'd be playing something so sad when it was already such a sad situation. And they both looked at me confused and said there was no piano playing. But I know I'd heard it the entire time I was there. Sorry the story was so long, but if you or anyone has any insight on being sensitive and how to manage it, I would appreciate some information. There have been more happenings, and I've had a sighting to add to this list, but this was the first event since the attacks that uh, this became so prominent. I can't keep writing it off as anything else. I think there are some places that have such negative energy, even a person that's not sensitive can pick up on it. Sure. But if you are sensitive, that's when you start going through like what D went through, where you feel like you can hear the music or the atmosphere is as it was when things happened and for inexplicable reasons being drawn to certain areas. So essentially what it kind of is like is to the non-sensitive person, you get a standard definition of the, uh, the paranormal activity, but to the sensitives when they're in a situation like that, it's full-blown 4K HD with surround sound. And curved screen and 3D glasses. Dolby Digital. Yep. Yep. And smell-o-vision. There's no such thing as (laughs) smell-o-vision. Oh, there is. No, there's not. I think there was at some time, but I don't think it ever took off. How would that even happen? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but I, I have like read things about yeah, that. Yeah, you Google that. We'll see. When I type in smell, also in smell-o-vision. Yeah, there was also this up. machine that could take a chocolate bar and send it through the airwaves to people, and they could just grab it. It has a Wikipedia entry. Smell-o-vision was a system that released odor during the projection of a film so that the viewer could smell what was happening in the movie. The technique was created by Hans Loeb and made its only appearance in the 1960 film Scent of Mystery. The process projected 30 odors into the movie theater seats uh, when triggered by the film soundtrack. Ha! It existed. Okay, that's not quite... Smell-o-vision. That's not quite what you portray. I mean... Exactly what I was talking about. No. It's to the T. You were talking about an individual television set in somebody's home. No, some of the 1960s movie. <laughs> well, if we're talking about theaters, there is a show, not to bring up Disney again, but there's a show at Disney where it's 3D plus smell. That's kind of smell-o-vision-ish. Yeah. But to me, smell-o-vision would be something you would buy and have in your house, and when they show an apple pie, you smell apple pie. Sure. 
not some weird psychedelic 60s movie where it farts 30 different smells in your face. I, I wonder if that... Do you think it'll ever happen in our lifetime, smell-o-vision? I have no idea. I didn't think in our lifetime we would have the like an iPhone-type device. I have no idea what's on the horizon. I wonder what it smell like when you're watching horror movies and there's like bodies and stuff. That's gross. Would you smell that? Would that be part of the... I would hope they'd leave that out. Like you can like choose like... You know how like sometimes you can pick like the explicit version of a, <laughs> of a CD or a song or the clean version? Uh-huh. Like there's like the option. Like do you want full-blown smells of everything? Like or you're just... watching The Conjuring and you smell the sulfur. Yeah. Like do you want all those smells or do you smell like the pleasant smells of the movie? Yeah. You know? I don't know. It'd be interesting. Something to contemplate. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Uh, Heidi writes in, uh, When I was young, my parents bought a vacation property in Pacific Heights, California, just outside the Sequoia National Forest. We spent countless weekends there over the years. When I was 11 or 12, we learned that a family that lived around the corner from us in Valley Acres, California, also bought a property in the Pacific Heights and were having a cabin built on it. Over the summer, we walked there uh, regularly to see the progress. One time, I walked there with my cousin, and the cabin appeared to be finished. We decided to knock on the door to see if anyone was home. The cabin was built right on the edge of the mountain facing the valley and had a huge walk-around porch. The road was behind the cabin, so we had to walk along the porch to get to the front door and the other side of the house. The house was dark, and the windows did not have coverings yet, so... We were pretty sure no one was home, but we knocked anyway. No one answered, so we looked through the windows to see how the floor plan was laid out. After a few minutes, we walked back to the driveway. There was a pile of gravel there, and for some reason, we decided to sit on it. The lot next door had a metal for sale sign, and we started throwing gravel pebbles at it. After a couple of minutes, we heard the front door of the cabin open, and the loud thud of the heavy screen door shut followed by the distinctive sound of heavy boots walking along the porch. We looked at each other and thought, someone's home after all. Then we looked back at the porch and waited for someone to come around the corner. The boot thuds came around the corner, but there was no one there. We sat there frozen, listening to invisible boots coming closer and closer to us. When they hit the driveway, we took off. I was ahead and heard my cousin screaming. I turned around and she was running in place, screaming that I had her, or that it had her. I ran back to her and yanked her arm. Whatever it was, let go, and we never went back, although I would love to know. All right. I wonder if that's something that was haunting the house before it was built, like haunting the area. The property there? Uh Uh-huh, and scared the people off, Mm -hmm. or what that was, but... I couldn't imagine turning around and seeing this invisible force holding on to your friend or cousin or whoever. Do you then tell the uh, the new owners of the house your uh, experience in their front yard? No, because you don't step up on their property again. Hey, wanted to welcome you. We brought this nice basket of lemon poppy seed muffins. And oh, by the way, a demon was holding my uh, friend's arm here the other day. Yeah. Here's a can of demon away. Enjoy. And some sage. And you walk away. And a whole bunch of crosses for all your windows. <laughs> Just bring a, 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 a welcome box, but there's no like pastries or anything, and it's all like exorcist <laughs> equipment. <laughs> 
Uh, here, this is a briefcase from The Exorcist. You may recognize some of these materials. Here's the DVD. You can watch and uh, learn how to uh, to actually perform an exorcism on your own. It's one of the DVD extras, uh, and see how that goes. I I could see that being something where something was disturbed on the property. Yeah. Uh, and probably one of those cases where, you know, you buy some property, uh, you're doing some renovations, you're digging, and, oh, hey, look, we found a body. That's going to be a bitch to report that. That's going to cause a lot of problems. Uh, let's just keep digging and pretend we didn't hit it. I, I know we've theoretically had this conversation, but... I just don't know that I could just let that go. I wouldn't. Uh, well, it depends where you want to put the house. I mean, if the body's like right where you need to build, you got to move the body. Um, if if the body is like out in the backyard where you want to put a garden, I say leave the body, move the garden. Yeah. But uh, I think I would probably be simply moving the body. Ugh. I mean, with it, I mean, if... Within reason, if you can tell if it's like some really like early nineteen, you know, nineteen hundreds grave or something, uh-huh. then I'm not all that concerned. Is it like being a recent murder and body being found? <laughs> yeah, that's you know? a whole different. I mean, thing. if it was like, oh shit, this looks like it was not that long ago. I I would have to report that because sure. there's somebody probably missing that we just found. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's like, you know, what is was it? Was it Funny Farm, or what was it, where they found... Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Funny Farm. That's that's a different kind of ball game, I think. There, That's where it's like, well, Grandpa Fern wanted to be buried on his property, and nobody wanted to pass that little tidbit of information along <laughs> in the MLS. <laughs> so, that's a little different. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please consider supporting it. Become an EPP. And when you become an EPP, you get bonus episodes, 25 bonus episodes sent to you right away uh, from our past EPP episodes. You get a brand new bonus episode then every single week as a thank you for being an EPP. And I just read uh, somebody left a comment for us on YouTube uh, just uh, recently. Betsy Wetsy. Oh, there's that's a cute name. Is that a peeing doll? <laughs> no, it's not a peeing. It's one of our listers. That's her. Uh, that's her YouTube name, Betsy Wetsy. I'm sorry. I thought they were talking about a doll. <laughs> Let's take that out. Is that a peeing? <laughs> it sounds like a doll that. I think it. I think there was one called that when we were kids, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. <laughs> well, I I think she she put it. You know, it's just a username. I know. So, anyway, uh, it says becoming an EPP was the best move I've made. Uh, been loving these extra podcast episodes. Love you, Tony and Jenny. You guys rock heart. So I just screwed that up, didn't I? <laughs> she hates us now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is that a peeing doll? <laughs> I thought they were writing in to tell us about some kind of possessed doll. <laughs> no, it's Betsy just telling us she likes the show and enjoys <laughs> being an EPP and you thought she's a peeing doll. Uh, 855-853-4802. Maybe Jenny will make some assumption on what you're like, too, if you become an EPP. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, right, <laughs> 
Uh, hi, Tony and Jenny. I have a short Ouija board story I'd like to share. My grandmother has held on to a Ouija board that she bought for her kids as a short sort of gag gift when they were younger. My dad and his siblings are all grown and have no use uh, or want for the board. Everyone uh, as a child, I would visit with my grandparents' house, and we'd uh, all sit around the table by candlelight and play the board. It would always move, but I had suspicion my dad was the one moving it to get a thrill out of me. Nothing paranormal ever happened afterwards. The board would go back in the box and back on the shelf in the guest bedroom. Over the years, it collected dust, and my grandmother always tried to get us grandkids to just take it or use it. She'd always say in a spooky tone of voice, just trying to pull our leg, I guess. My grandmother has a very goofy sense of humor. I know she uh, felt like the board was taking up space in the room and even mentioned on several occasions of donating it to the Salvation Army. She just never got around to it until one day she called me over to help her declutter the house. My grandmother has always held on to things. While some would call it junk, she calls it her treasures. We uh, started in the guest bedroom, and within a few minutes I could tell she was getting frustrated and overwhelmed. She picked up the board and said something along the lines of, Oh, the stupid old board has been sitting here for years, and nobody plays with it anymore. Nobody wants it. I should just throw it away. Like it? No. little... Her name was Betsy Wetsy, actually. <laughs> I immediately thought that it would be bad luck. I've always been very superstitious like that. And I tried to change the subject so she could calm down. We got on to other things and made our way to the next room. My grandmother wanted to show me her mother's jewelry that she kept hidden in a safe. As she opened the safe, she pulled out a woman's wristwatch... She said it was like a walk down memory lane for her and that she missed her mother dearly. The watch is very old looking and fragile and dainty. She handed it to me and asked if I'd like to have it. As I took a closer look at the watch, I realized both hands were turning uncontrollably to the right. We both couldn't believe it and my grandmother explained that the watch still had the original battery when it belonged to her mother. I almost felt this was some sort of creepy sign from the Ouija board. Was it because my grandmother threatened to throw the board away? Was it a sign from above that time was running out? I guess we'll never know for sure. But it's safe to say that the board still sits on the guest bedroom shelf to this day. Now when mention of the board comes up, my grandmother says, Well, I guess I just never could part with it. And chuckles. Thanks for sharing my story, guys. Love listening to the show, and you both make a great team. I have more stories I'll write in about another time. Sincerely, Kelly. The watch going super fast, that that's kind of freaky. I don't know. Have you ever heard of something like that? Uh, I, I can't say specifically about the watch doing that as far as it being related to the Ouija board. I don't know. Um... I don't know. I, I really could give or take the Ouija board honestly having anything to do with the, the paranormal activity here. Um, just because it was so infrequently used, it really never really seemed to make any sense or do anything. It just was kind of part of the discussion that day. And then the grandma is talking about passing down an heirloom and something that was very close to her mother, you know, energy-wise, too, is right there on her wrist every single day. I could see it being more so that it was just kind of a communication sign from the grandmother or the great-grandmother, uh, just 
you know, I don't know if it's if there was a message involved or if it was just like the only way of communicating and getting into that battery and manipulating the watch of like, hey, still here. Yeah. You know, like watching over you or something. Hey, watch watching over you. That could huh? be it. Um, you know, moving to the right was interesting. Um, that's typically a good thing. Things aren't going in the opposite direction or wrong way. A lot of times if it's something dark, things are going in the way they shouldn't be going. Um, so, I mean, just moving on its own like that, also not exactly normal. But I could just see it being kind of the maybe the great-grandmother making a little something manipulative to show that she's there. Okay. Maybe the great-grandmother watches over the the, the grand or the great-granddaughter. Sure. Um, I don't know. But I, I, I just, I don't feel much of a Ouija connection here. It's an interest, I mean, it all was around the time, but I think it, this might be a product of, you know... The, uh, just, it's in your mind, so... Uh, circumstance. Yeah, yeah, so that's what you're thinking. You? You know, I think you're... I think it's more so probably a connection with the great-grandmother, like you said, and just kind of a sign, especially since that's the same battery, supposedly, since... Mm-hmm. It belonged to her. Sure. You know, you would think in theory it's dead, but here it is actually going. Maybe it's just kind of a sign of something mm-hmm. going like dead, but you do go on in the afterlife. Yeah. I, I could see just something of that nature. Yeah. So there you go. I think it's a good thing. I don't I don't get anything bad out of that. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. If you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you listen to us on. That way you get the shows delivered right to your device, to your computer, or whatever it is you use, and you won't miss any episodes. You don't have to search every time, then try and figure out, well, what's the latest episode? No, it's just right there. Bam. Every single time. Sherry. Uh, writes in years ago when I was uh, finishing the last year of my three-year diploma nursing school education in northeastern Pennsylvania I had an encounter with a deceased classmate his name was George and he'd been killed in a car accident six months earlier the day of the encounter was in early morning in late August of 1970 and the female members 99% of our class were asleep in the nursing school dorm It was a day that we didn't have to do clinicals or classes because we were graduating on September 10th and were scheduled to take an exam for the National League for Nursing that day. Having been told by the nursing faculty that it was to see how we might do on state boards in December, well, some of us were nervous, but I was not as my mind was focused on graduating from the school. It was restrictive dorm life and repetitive unpaid unpaid clinical work I'd learned to hate. I was anticipating continuing my education at a local liberal arts college where I would get my bachelor's degree in nursing education in a few years, hopefully, while working part-time at the hospital's ICU on weekends and breaks. My point in telling you this is that my mind was not at all focused on the loss of George at the moment, although we all missed him and mourned his loss. The encounter began after the sun had come up when I awakened, lying on my right side facing my alarm clock and the rest of the room. From this position, I could see my roommate still fast asleep, whose extremely long hair fell off her bed onto the floor in the bright morning sunshine that came through our dorm window. It was about 6.15 a.m., and I thought, good, I won't have to get up for an hour. The test was to begin at 8.30 downstairs in the classroom area. What had awakened me was a click of the door to the dorm room, often a sign that we were being checked on by one of the elderly overnight house mothers, 
who was about to go off duty. I became annoyed when I did not hear the second click, indicating that she'd left, shutting the door behind her. I thought, why is she watching us? So I decided that I would scare her by sitting up and turning quickly to her face. I did just that, and to my shock, there was no house mother at all, but the image of George looking much as he did in his clinical white garb, and even wearing his trademark tortoiseshell glasses, and he was luminous, surrounded by glowing white light that was a little difficult to look at. He quickly made a motion with his right hand, and I heard in my head, his lips did not move, the words in George's voice, don't be scared, I have messages. I was dumbfounded and didn't call out or move. George went on to predict three things, one for our class and two for me. One, tell the others not to worry about state boards, the whole class will pass the first time. This seemed unreal because in the decades, almost 50 years, that the board, that the school and state boards or its precursor test had existed, there had been no class that had all passed on the first try. Two, don't you worry. You'll go far in academia. This was interesting because although I was looking forward to college, I actually had cold, uh, coldish feet about it pessimistically feeling as if I wasn't worthy or not smart enough and might fail. And three, you'll have to wait a very, very long time to get married, in your 60s, but to be very, very happy when you do. As you can imagine, this was just not a happy prediction for a 21-year-old to hear, especially as I still hope to reconcile with my high school boyfriend. So I tried to forget it as soon as I could, well, I forgot to mention that George seemed to be standing a bit behind the open dorm room door, and once he'd made his predictions, he slowly backed out, and the door shut, leaving me thinking, I can't believe what just happened. I looked back at the clock, and about a minute had passed, but it seemed longer. My roommate hadn't moved, and the sun was still pouring in. I lay back down on the bed and tried to doze, but was in a very weird state of mind. Later that morning, I told a close and trusted classmate, Marie, about the encounter. We then went through that testing day. Later in the evening, I remembered seeing George, but couldn't remember one thing he told me, only that he'd told me something. So I asked Marie what I told her. I remember either. Fast forward past graduation, starting college, being immersed in college work, midterms, etc. Soon it was December, and we all had to trek to Harrisburg, the Pennsylvania State Capitol to sit for state boards to become RNs. Two days of standardized licensing tests is grueling, and I, of course, thought that I'd probably not pass and would have to redo the test in July. Fast forward to January, while still on Christmas break, I'd been studying for finals. They extended these semesters over Christmas back then, and I'd finished a paper due when classes resumed. No one had yet heard about our state board results, and I was a bit nervous. As I was working, uh, the next day I was setting out my uniform, white pantyhose and shoes for my early shift. In a flash, I suddenly remembered George's predictions, focusing on the one about the state board exam. The other two came back to me as well, but I dismissed them. The next day, as I was emptying a bedpan in the ICU... One of my former instructors came and poked me in the back, saying, Congratulations, you passed the state boards. So did the whole class. First time in the history of the school. And guess what? You had the highest scores of all. 
Needless to say, I was shocked, happy, and totally stunned about the outcome of George's first prediction that I'd had the highest grades was totally unexpected. I'd had no time to use a review book for state boards due to my colleague's studies, so thought that I'd robbed Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, and would suffer the consequences by having to retake the boards in July. So as you can imagine, this was quite pleasantly shocking on several counts. As to the outcome of his second prediction, I guess you could say that it has also come true. In addition to my high, uh, high grades on state boards, I'd also aced the test in late August with the highest uh, class scores ever. Over the next several decades, I earned both a master's degree and a Ph.D. Never thought uh, that would happen. Well, I'm pleased with my accomplishments. I am not telling you these things to brag, although it probably sounds that way. I just want you to know the outcome of George's predictions. But up to now, the third prediction has eluded me. Because at the ripe old age of 65, I've never yet married. Don't know if that one will come true, but if it ever does, I'll let you know. I have other stories galore, but we'll share at a later time. I really love your podcast and am an EPP. You and Jenny do a wonderful job, and your banter makes the whole show warm to counter the chilling stories. Chilling. Keep up the good work. Sherry in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm betting that third one's going to happen, too. Yeah, I think George is pretty accurate there, Sherry. Yeah, I, I think when you least expect it, that person will come into your life and it'll probably be something that happens pretty fast from the time you meet to the time you're married. Yeah. Uh, Keep us posted. I'm wondering if sharing this story and sharing George's message or uh, has something to do with this meeting. Yeah. Maybe you'll meet him on our message board. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go that far. No. But, uh, But I could see it happening fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only because obviously five years until you're out of the 60s, but uh, I just, you know, I, I, his predictions are pretty right. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, just, you know, kind of let life happen. But uh, please do let us know. Yeah. Uh, when that happens. We would uh, we'd love to get an update uh, from you, Sherry. And thank you for being an EPP. And thank you so much for uh, for supporting the show and and writing in that that really, really good story to us today here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We really, uh, really do appreciate that. Do you think with uh, more and more technology coming out and we're seeing more ways for ghosts to communicate? Um, you know, like with the the spirit boxes, the radio thing. The uh-huh. uh, uh, there's there's a plethora of new ways for ghosts to communicate. Yeah, um, and fairly effectively and directly. Do you think that that will decrease the amount of uh, like apparition esque hauntings by people? Possibly in time, once the generation of, you know, that's using Mm -hmm. the technology that can't function without it starts to die off for one reason or another. I could see that because, I mean, you could hardly get kids these days to look up. You see, that that's what I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you're saying that 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 generation, because they know it so well, will will be coming back to communicate through 
technology. Yeah. I get you. Okay. See, I was thinking it was just going to start making all ghosts a little more lazy. Just as, as technology has made all of us a little bit more lazy in our communication, where we're not calling people anymore. We don't write letters. We don't, you know, we do these other little things. Mm-hmm. So as, as we seem to, I think we communicate more in volume. I just think it's less meaningful communication than than in the past, right? If you will, uh, as far as like face to face conversation goes, um, I'm wondering if ghosts will do the same. So, I mean, I mean, when you think of it from a meaningful standpoint, of what would have been more meaningful to uh, to, for example, Sherry in that last story there, mm-hmm. would it have been more meaningful? Uh, as is, as it happened, she saw him, she got the verbal message face to face, or what if he, uh, sent a text or, or, or she heard it through a radio or something like that. No, I think it's more meaningful the way you're used to communicating, which in 1970 would be, you know, phone or face to face. That's true. Perspective has a big thing to do with it. The younger generation really doesn't understand or have the concept of the, the basis of face-to-face communication or understand the value because it's not always there's always been the 22 other alternatives yeah yeah it's an interesting way of looking at it i feel like i'm talking like i'm like i'm 70 here which is funny because we're only in our 30s but the generational change in technology and how they communicate is shocking how how dramatically that's changed in the course of literally 10 years well, and I can tell you, too, if you give me two or three, maybe four letters mm-hmm. side by side, written in by listeners, mm-hmm. I can guess probably pretty close the age of the writer based on how it's written. Okay. Whether or not it has been, you know, proofread or if there's acronyms or, mm-hmm. you know... Like, what's grammatically correct to send to someone mm-hmm. that you don't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the formalities, really, is, is right. what one was brought up with and what one was not. And it's, yeah, it, it is, Cause, I can... Because we, honestly, and this is going to sound like I'm really old, but we'll get a letter sometimes that there is so much text jargon in it mm-hmm. that I have to stand back and be like, what does that stand for? Well, yeah, and, and just the fact that it's sent thinking that everyone knows this. Yeah. And what, what's shocking to me about that whole thing is just the fact that we're talking folks who are 10 years younger than us. Right. And we're not talking, I mean, that's what's so strange to me. It, it, it's, I would expect that when we're like 70 and looking at what the 20 year olds are doing at that point in time. They're going to be speaking a different language, I think, at that point. Sure. <laughs> They'll be speaking it all. They'll be, it'll, be, it'll all be windings. <laughs> windings and emoticons. That's all it's going to be on, on texting. There'll be no words. It will all be hieroglyphics. Yeah. Essentially texted to each other. And be like, what on earth is this? Grandpa, you're so out of it. Ah, shut up. I'm going to go do my ghost show. <laughs> that will be us. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, let's go to a caller. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Uh, David, hi. Hey, Tony. Uh, this is David in the Pacific Northwest. I've called you a few times. And 
related some stories to you regarding uh, living in New Mexico and apparition uh, coming through a wall in the corner of a wall. Um, being eight years old with my brother and sister, seeing an apparition for the first time in my life. It was a black shadow. Um, all three of us saw it, and my mother saw it on a different occasion. Um, so I hope that uh, sort of reminds you, maybe, of a couple of the calls that I've made to you. I've had many, many instances of paranormal activity in my life. I'm 50 years old now, and uh, it's continued through my life from eight, year, from eight years old. Um, Jenny and yourself asked a question, I believe, on the last podcast that I was listening to, I believe it was last week, uh, asking the question if someone can dim their light. That was the quote, I believe. Can someone dim their light to these experiences? And from my experience, I can unequivocally say, yes, you can dim your light. And the technique that I have learned over time to do that, do what I call, and I call it just to myself, when I feel myself in a situation where I have to dim my light, um, I say to myself, put your head down. And I put my head down and I focus on the concrete. The way that I dim my light is to really not so much try to shut off any energies that may or may not be out there. It's more just focusing on the concrete that is before me or the job at hand or the task at hand. Now, I still can feel peripherally energy. Occasionally, I have been finding myself in situations in the last few years. We've been developing some properties up here in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm finding myself in uh, apartments that have had strange uh, uh, occurrences and histories of, of violence uh, that I would be in late at night working in. Um, I, we're currently developing a commercial property that has had some energies associated with it from the prior owners. Um, and it's a large property in being on the inside of that building. Again, I find myself in these places late at night doing work when other people are gone. And um, I can tell you unequivocally that there is energy out there that wants to uh, be attracted to uh, sensitive people. And the way, again, I have a job to do and I have to get my job done. That's my view. Regardless of the situation, I can't go running out of any building or any apartment like my hair is on fire because there's a job to do. And so my quote to myself is, is just put your head down, put your head down and do the work. And again, when I say that to myself, that reminds me that I have, you know, to focus, focus on the concrete and the task at hand. And um, having done that, I've, again, I feel the energy is like very, sometimes very strongly coming at me and it's not 100% foolproof. I've had, on three separate instances, I can tell you in the last five or eight years that even that technique, I've, I, I've had a couple of experiences that were mind-boggling um, in terms of an apparition showing directly in front of me. Um, usually it's, it's a peripheral thing, but one instance it was directly in front of me. But again, what I did was I didn't overreact. I literally put my head down and what, what I was doing at the time, I just focused on what I was doing and then the energy would do its thing and then leave. So I believe it's sort of like a moth to flame type thing and the more, the, the more that you can dim your flame or um, not really provide that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of uh, 
um, response that maybe the energy wants to hook in with, you know, like attracts like in terms of energy, not providing that same sort of energy or energetic connection, like an electrical connection, um, I think that helps. Now, the other question was that you had raised, or I believe Jenny or yourself had raised, regarding animals in the forest and what happens to their spirits. And I've had that question as well. And what happens to all of the animals that have died in the forest and in the in the woodlands and the oceans, you know, why don't we see apparitions everywhere of these animals? I have a feeling on that, and that is is that these animals, their consciousness is not, I mean, they have their own consciousness, we know that, but it's not of a sort of cognitive um, level as a human being. And I say that obviously, you know, risking a prejudice type mentality here, but the fact I believe is that higher level uh, animals and humans have a consciousness that can return back. Um, a part of that cognition can return back. For example, cats, dogs, um, and humans, obviously. But other animals that are more connected to nature, I believe they assimilate back into nature much more seamlessly than what uh, we do because of that cognition and that higher level consciousness, which maybe in some ways inhibits that seamless reintegration back into nature, if you will. So, and of course, though, many indigenous cultures, obviously they are much more connected to nature than we in urban type society. And so I believe that uh, many indigenous people are able to see in a much more subtle way the energetics of those animals, uh, spirits, if you will, or the energetic of the soul, if you will, that is still remaining in the woodlands, um, in the nature, natural environments. Um, those are just kind of my thoughts on these two things. And again, I have numerous experiences I could share, and I will probably get around to that eventually. But uh, once again, you have a great program, and uh, hope it uh, continues well into the future. Thank you so much. Have a very nice day. Thank you for your call, David. I enjoy your calls. I remember one of the very first, if not the very first show that I was on, he had a call about an apartment that he was renting from a lady. It was like like a garage apartment or something like that. And her husband had passed away some years ago, and he kept seeing out of the corner of his eye like this man come in through the upper corner of his mm-hmm. ceiling and just look around and then go away. And some time passed and he ended up needing to go into this lady's home that was renting the apartment to him. I think he was watching some stuff uh, while she was out of town or something. And she saw the picture of her late husband and that was who was checking in on him all this time. I remember that. You do remember that. And we kind of discussed like, well, that'd be kind of creepy. Yeah, it would be. Like, it's time for you to go away, my friend. (laughs) I like his words of wisdom on how to dim your light or how to just, you know, literally keep your head down and focus to try and not be a beacon for whatever may be looking for one. It's kind of like don't look for it and it may not look for you, mm-hmm. you know, so much. If you're out there like, hey, I'm this person, you know, I, that's I think is somehow a lot of times it can be attracted, you know, to folks, you know, who are not so careful or just kind of unaware of the power that they're yielding. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have that uh, that gift. Thanks for the call. Really do appreciate that. Uh, one more call here. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Tony, this is Rob. And thanks for putting on the show. You and Jimmy are great. Uh, 
I have called in once before in a story, but I've got one that when I was little, my mom and grandma and my aunt used to use the Ouija board. I never actually seen all of this because they kept us in a different room. But I do remember one day we were all in the living room of my grandmother's house and we kept hearing like a banging on the wall. And we could hear my aunt and my grandma and all them, you know, getting real excited, you know, talking. And somebody opened the door. And as far as I can remember, you know, and I don't know if they did it or not, but, you know, they claim they did. The table itself that the Ouija board was on was beating into the wall. And, you know, my mom and all them, they had their hands on the little thing, you know. But uh, after all of that, you know, and my mom, you know, she had kicked the door shut because she didn't want us kids to see. But I remember my mom had an envelope, and uh, she put it, you know, kind of oddly in her Bible. And uh, my older sister, you know, of all of us kids, you know, she had kids first. And, you know, she had, when she had her third, they were three boys. Uh, my mom handed her this envelope that said, you know, at the top of it, it said Kathy. And, you know, mom had wrote Kathy. And she put three boys. And then she put Adam, Aaron, and Andy. And that is what they all claimed that the Ouija board said that my sister Kathy would have the first kid. And they would name them Adam, Aaron, and Andy. And she waited till the third uh, son was born, and Kathy named her before named him before she gave her the letter. And I don't know if it's, uh, I mean, I don't know how she pulled that out of the air or did anything to do with the Ouija board. Uh, I just know that my, uh, you know, my family used to play with it, and just we had a lot of strange happenings in our house, you know, all growing up, like footsteps and stuff. And then me and my wife now. Uh, you know, we had shadow people, uh, the dogs would growl at the, the closet, and we seen two little Indian girls in uh, our bedroom one day, when she seen them, I heard them, and then somebody else that was staying over actually seen them who didn't know anything about them. Well, I know it was a short story, but, you know, just believe it after you think about and Maybe you know what, you know, hell could have happened. All right. Thanks. Love you all. Thanks. Nothing like having uh, ghost children around your home. Yeah. Or the Ouija board telling grandma what the grandkids are going to be named and keeping that a secret to see if it happens. It's interesting today. We've had a lot of stories of grandmas and their Ouija boards. What is that? (laughs) That's scary. My grandma never had a Ouija board. Neither of mine did. I I would lay money. She had trouble. She liked playing trouble a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you push a little cube down and the the dice go in the middle. Mm-hmm. We played trouble quite a bit. That was one of her favorite games to play. She was, oh, I just love when you come over and play trouble with me. Aww. It was fun. It was funny when we were uh, at uh, at their house the last time I was ever in there because uh, it was just recently sold, um, and they've both passed on. Um, for whatever reason, I everything's out of the house. Everything's gone. And there was something that came to my mind. That I don't know how I remembered it or why I remembered it. It was like one of those fleeting things where it's like, 
I'm going to go see if this is still there. Uh-huh. Something I had not thought of since I was like five. Okay. And uh, in her uh, closet, in the vacuum closet, uh, was this, uh, it's essentially like a door uh, stop for air. Oh, a draft block? A draft block, yeah. Okay. But it was like in the shape, it was, you know, like very 1970s colors, and it was a snake is what it, I always called it. It was like, Grandma's snake. Uh-huh. And she'd pull it out and let me play with it as a kid. And I really, I don't, I don't know why I thought that is there. Of all the things, it was, it was still there in that closet. Everything else is gone. Why on earth that was still in that closet? <laughs> And that's the one thing you thought of. The one thing I thought of to look for. The one thing that's left in the house. The one thing that was left in the house. Did you bring it home? I didn't, no. I mean, it was really, it was in horrible shape. There was really no way of uh, fixing it up, Yeah. if you will. I mean, it, it was just, it was stretched out. The material was gone to hell. You couldn't really restore it. Yeah. Um, had it been a little more restorable, I would have brought it home. home. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, I didn't, just because it was, you know, I don't think it would have... <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have survived the flight back. It, it had, uh, yeah, that's true too. Um, but it was uh, so ridiculously dusty. Ew, yeah. But I just thought it was, it was bizarre. I don't know why I thought of it. It's like you got a message. Yeah, and it was still there. And it was just, no, no, interesting. That is interesting. But uh, thank you guys for the calls. Thank you for uh, for writing in and uh, sharing the stories today. You are right. We had a lot of really, really good stories on today's episode. I was excited. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that was good. You didn't fail. Good. Thank you. <laughs> you get an extra cookie. After Yay. The show. Congratulations. Because that's what I need. <laughs> if you like the show, please support it. Uh, become an EPP. Uh, lots of folks saying how much they love being EPPs, and uh, we thank them for that. And you get to 25 bonus episodes of the show right there. Uh, really good, solid uh, episodes on all our stories and all those episodes. Uh, and 25 right off the bat, then a new one every single week. Five bucks a month is all it is. That uh, five bucks goes to keeping our show funded and on the air. Without our EPPs, uh, this show would not continue. And our costs continue to go up as we get more and more listeners. So kind of a double-edged sword there. So please, uh, please help keep it, uh, keep it a going and uh, consider supporting it. Uh, you click uh, become an EPP on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>